Um, Acts 13, we've been in this series, and I'm going to just do something today just because of time's sake. I want to get this inside of you. I've got to read a bunch of verses to you. So you don't have to read. You can follow along. You can listen. You can read the words on the screen. You can read it in your Bible. You can do whatever you want. But how many of you know the word of God is good for you, right? It's like a, it's like a vitamin shot. If you will get it inside of you, it will change your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. So I'm just going to read a whole lot of verses to you. So hang on tight. Starting in verse 13. Paul and his companions then left Paphos for a ship of Pamphylia, landed at the port town of Perga. Then John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Poseida, and on the Sabbath day went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings, I like that, the usual readings from the book of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come give it. So Paul stood, lifted his hand to quiet them, and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then, with a powerful arm, he led them out of their slavery. He put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. He put up with them, by the way. We'll come back to that later. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years after that. God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is promised, God's promised Savior of Israel. Before he came, John the Baptist preached that all the people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized. As John was finishing his ministry, he asked, do you think that I'm the Messiah? No, I am not, but he's coming soon, and I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers, you sons of Abraham, also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as one of the prophets that he has spoken about. Instead, they can condemned him, and in doing so, they fulfilled the prophet's words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that the prophecies said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. Come on, verse 30. <laughs> Where are you at? Come on, read it with me. But God raised him from the dead. Come on. Come on, we can give it up for that. That's exciting right there. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. And now we are here to bring this good news, bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors, and God has now fulfilled it for us, their descendants, by raising Jesus. This is what the second psalm says about Jesus. You are my son, today I become your father. For God has promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessing I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your holy one to rot in the grave. This is not a reference to David, 
For after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness of your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you, for they say, look, you mockers, be amazed and die, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous, so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles and bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. The, Lord, the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas, ran them out of town, so they shook the dust from their feet that, as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's enough for us. You're enough for us. We thank you that we have it. We have access to it. God, you, you have given us your word. I pray that we'll hide it in our hearts, that we might not sin against you. Have your way not just today, but every day in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We just have a few minutes here, but I want to make sure that we get this, this right. Paul is on mission. The same guy who was on mission to kill people like you and me, right? That's what he was doing. God changed him on the road to Damascus, and now he is stepping into his calling with what? But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, right? So you got the power to be the witness, not just witness, oh, I saw with my eyes, but a witness as in you opened up your mouth and proclaimed the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what you are here for. Now, Verse 13 tells us that John Mark departs from them. We don't know exactly why. We don't know if like that encounter with the sorcerer kind of jarred him a little bit. Uh, maybe there was an outbreak of malaria. We don't know exactly why. At any rate, Paul finds it, um, he sees it as, as deserting. There was a deserting. He talks about it in a couple chapters in chapter 15. But they traveled in. They do their work. I love that they go and they minister into the synagogues. They show up. That's a good place to start in the church. We still need to minister in the church. There's no perfect people in here, right? Right? All right. No, you're not. You're not perfect. None of us are, right? We're just a bunch of people who love Jesus. That's what it is. But they go in there and they read and they get it. And these are people who were primed, as we said last week. These are people who at least had something. The Gentiles who were from outside of the faith of Judaism were at least there. Something was had intrigued them. Something had touched their hearts, whether it was general revelation of like just look, looking out and saying, man, 
somebody did this. This didn't just happen. So something's there. Or just the, the Holy Spirit just got in their heart and said, you need this. And they didn't understand why. But there were also the Jewish people there who would have had some understanding of the Torah, the original scriptures. And we see that. So they ask, they ask Paul and Barnabas, and they're like, you guys have anything to say? Any words of encouragement? Paul's like, oh, yeah, I got some encouragement for you. <laughs> and he stands up. He says, he, he puts up his hands like, hey, everybody quiet down because I'm about to give you a history lesson. Now, it wasn't as ex- extensive as maybe Stephen's discourse right before he got stoned. It maybe wasn't that intense or maybe not even as intense as Simon Peter's in, when he preached in Acts chapter 3 and 4, right, with such gusto in Solomon's colonnade. Maybe it wasn't that intense, but Paul gives them a great history lesson because we need to understand history, right? We need to understand this because God's plan is, is historical, but it brings us to the present so that we can be more effective and efficient in the future. And if you will understand his working is always a plan of what? Redemption. If you will read the, the Bible, you need to read it in light of redemption. My, my friend, Pastor Ken Height, you hear me quote this all the time. If you want to understand the gospel simply, it's this. God made it, we broke it, Jesus fixed it. It's the simple of it, right? Now, it's much more complex as that. It's as, it's as shallow as you need to understand it to change your life, and it's as deep as you want to go with it, right? And people spend their whole lives talking about and trying to unpack and understand how great and how wide and how deep and how big and just enormous is the love of God. They spend their whole lives doing that. And so that's part of the reason why you're here today. Now, maybe you got dragged into this place, and you're like, I don't understand what's happening today. These people are super weird. And I go, but, but are we? I mean, I don't feel like we are. I feel like everybody else who isn't doing this is weird. I mean, in, in the end, what does it say is going to happen? Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. So if that is the end result... Wouldn't we want to go ahead and just get it done now, right? Because opportunity is everywhere. Obedience is in one spot. And obedience is always better, church. Obedience is always better. And and a lot of you have experienced that. You lived your life for yourself for so many years. It was a life of disobedience. You went on and driving was miserable and running from the cops was miserable and running from your family and broken relationships. And it was all miserable because it was in disobedience. And then you came into Jesus and you found this thing like, oh, I can actually walk in obedience. I can live with power and I can live this life that Jesus said is available, which is what? Abundant life. Abundant life. Right? That's a life that really everybody's after. Now, they think it's money and vacation, but they only use those things to try to buy peace. That's what they're trying to do. And you can't, if you don't know K-N-O-W, Christ, right? You can't know peace. You can't. It's just, there's no, there's no peace without God in your life. So Paul is preaching to these guys, and he's laying it out, and he gives them the whole history, and he's like, hey, God allowed them to prosper. Even in captivity, they, they grew, and eventually they were released, and they go out in the wilderness, and it says that God put up with them. Whew. <laughs> How many of you feel like God put up with you? Listen, I feel like he's still putting up with me. You know what I mean? He's like, what are you doing? I, mean, I try to do this for you, and I'm like, I know I keep running my head in the wall. I'm sorry, Lord, but I'm getting better, right? Uh, we're making progress. It's not, it's not perfection all the time. He, we became his righteousness, right? That he that knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God so that there would be a stirring so that I would actually try to be holy because that is the standard. So he tells them all of this. 
And he calls out and he says, man, there's this. And, and we, we always want something. We're like, I know you have a plan, God, but I really like this. And it's the people of Israel. It's the whole story. It's the same as us. I know you have a plan, but, like, can we have a king? And God says, you don't need a king. Yeah, but we really want a king. And can you make him, like, really tall, like head and shoulders above everybody else, or really handsome, and just kind of like the guy, you know, the man. That's the guy we can point to. It's like, he's the king, and we feel really good about it. And that's what, we, that's what they felt. But he was just a guy. And he fails, and he dies, and he decays like everybody else. And the next guy that takes his place is who? David. And it doesn't make any sense. It's humanity, right? The prophet goes out, Samuel goes out and says, Hey, Jesse, where are you? Where, like, is this all your sons? Line them up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see which one to anoint who's going to carry on this, this, this thing. And he's like, No, he's not here. Don't, don't you have another one or something? He's like, Yeah, I got one in the field, but you don't want him. And some of you feel like that. Some of you feel like you're looking at other people and like, ah, no, God's not going to use them. How do you know? How do you know who God is going to use? When do, when do we become the authority on who God is going to use or not? And we're very judgmental. It happens sometimes, and the church can be like this sometimes. It's like, well, you need to go through the process. And yes, I mean, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to hand you a microphone. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you say something crazy, and i got to spend six months unpacking it. <laughs> That's this is the way it is. But you want to, if God saves your life, if he does something miraculous in you, you know how many miracles I've heard about this morning? I'm talking about miracles. Somebody just showed me a picture earlier. It's a, a, a relative of theirs was attacked by a dog, and I mean mauled, like on the verge of death mauled. And he's already sitting up and declaring he's not going back to his addiction anymore, totally saved. And God is moving in a mighty, man, it's crazy. It's one of a friend of mine sitting out here right now just told us of, of, of somebody's cancer who just basically disappeared. Sweet, like, hey, this is serious, serious cancer. Not like you might have some. No, diagnosed cancer and then gone. And you're like, well, I, like, I don't know about that. What do you mean you don't know about that? We just sang about it and we're not careful. That's what we, we sing about. Oh, he's a miracle worker. No, he's a miracle worker. He's a miracle worker. We see all this, like, this wild stuff, right? And, 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 and they take this guy, Jesus, who's from David, right? From the line of David. This is all to fulfill prophecy. And all the prophecies were fulfilled. And this man, Jesus, comes fully God, fully man. And he walks out this, this life, tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. He lives a perfect life and dies a horrific death because of me and you. And every other wretched sinner, past, present, and future, for all of eternity, did it for you. You did it for me. If you don't make it personal, it's real easy to be like, yeah, he did it for them. They're crazy. No, he did it for you. And you take that home and you go like, my God, you, ch you changed my life. You changed everything. And, and so why wouldn't I want to give it all to you? Why wouldn't I want to go all in? And they killed him. They killed Jesus. But God raised him from the dead just like he said he would. I don't know about you, but God always does what he says about it. that I know and I'm becoming keenly aware of this in this season right that, that God is he's, he's, and he's never ahead and he's never behind and he's just always right on time and he's so faithful and I'm very thankful that his faithfulness is not dependent on my faithfulness because I'd be lost but he is faithful I'm not always faithful he is faithful and so we go all in and, and it's this beautiful beautiful plan that God has and it's the plan of redemption to, to, to get me back 
to get me back. Stand with me real quick. We're almost out of time, but I got to get through this. Give me, give me five, six, seven minutes, something like that. I'll be done. Hang tight. Hang tight. Hang tight. You know what the craziest thing about the buyback is? I always think about it like this. Imagine if you spent, now we're not God, but you like spent a lot of time and you, you built something and you put your blood, sweat, and tears, and you, you cared about it. And you, maybe it's a, we'll, we'll just picture it as a nice car, right? This beautiful thing that you just created, right? You just built it, and then somebody stole it. And it was like right down the block from you, and you had to drive by and see it every day. And we're back and like, can I buy that from you? How many of you would show up to buy that from somebody? No, we show up to fight somebody. We're like, you stole my car. You know how much time I put into that? We're calling the police. God bought back something that he created. What? What? from eternity looking down to shape me and to breathe life into me and have the, the devil like me just fall into the trap and run away and God's saying yeah but I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy you back even though I made you I'll pay the ultimate price to buy you back what that's the craziest thing people so what happened? like what do we what do we what do you do with that well what you do with that is you receive that good news you say I am now purchased, right? And you say, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I'm his. I am his. I don't belong to myself anymore. And I am here. What did it tell you? It says that they were here to what? Proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not for you to worry about if people receive it or not. And sometimes we're like, You've heard me say this. Years ago, I used to use that quote, and some of you have used this, like, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. I had to repent from that. Like, why would I, why would I not use my words? That is the chief communication resource. That's what I have. Why would I not use my words? And so what Paul does to them here, he's taking them, because life is full of choices. All of you have a choice right now and in a few minutes and tomorrow and tonight and next week you're all just confronted with choices that you have to make and Paul's gonna put it to him and for a lot of you you've lived it you're like oh man I'm just I'm trying to, I'm just trying to show Jesus you've been showing this person 15 years you've been showing them Jesus but you've never invited them to receive him you've never opened your mouth because you're afraid it's gonna get weird well it's already weird You don't think the world is weird? Have you not been paying attention for the last few years? The world is bonkers. I'm not not trying to let that dictate who I'm going to talk to. Paul said, we are here to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. That's why I'm here. But you shall receive. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Open your mouth. Yeah, I don't know enough. Well, do you know Jesus? Yes. Then you know enough because it's not you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's working inside of you. And some of you have actually started this process. You start opening your mouth and you're like, I don't even know where that came from. Well, I do. <laughs> came from the Holy Spirit. And yes, you should read your Bible. How 
is it just this great coincidence that every time I read the Bible in the morning, that afternoon or later that morning, that stuff that I read comes into play? Is it like just the greatest coincidence every day? No, no, that's, that's how God works. <laughs> He's prepared to do the work, that, the, the good things that God has in store for you. So Paul puts it to them, right? And they didn't, some of them didn't believe it. To the Jew first, then the Greek. That's what happened. So he goes and he, and he shares with them. And some of you are going to share with people and they're going to be like, get out of me. I don't want to hear it. And I'm saying you just like cut those people off forever. Maybe it's a little bit more of a sidestep with some people. Like, okay. I'm just going to shake the dust off this. I can see that I'm not welcome here. Right? It's hard to be a prophet in your own land. <laughs> right? But, but maybe just a sidestep for a minute. Maybe I'm, gonna, I'm not going to beat you over the head with Jesus right now. I'm going to continue to show. I've already told you. You're going to receive it. You're not going to receive it. That's up to you. Right? What do you say? They, they judged themselves unworthy. I didn't judge you unworthy. I'm telling you, you absolutely have value. If you didn't have any value, do you think Jesus would have hung on a cross for you? But sometimes, ah. Oh. And so you sell out for the lesser things. Good things in life. Life doesn't get any better than this. This guy's sitting in a jumbo drinking beer. It doesn't get any better than that. It gets a whole lot better than that. <laughs> like a whole lot better than that. <laughs> right? I'm just telling you what it is. And so we, we, we sit here and we're, we're all confronted with this right now. Like, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with it? You have enough value. Jesus died for you you will receive it he has abundant life for you and that abundant life trumps every other thing the world throws at you every other thing it's the same thing that i told you you have a choice you have a choice to receive that abundant life today you have a choice to not not today not today i'm, I'm no no oh i'm in i'm in it's sunday to understand this if you would get the fact what I said earlier that the king is in the room if the king is in the room wouldn't you act differently well guess what he's always in the room he's always in the room I'm not trying to make you feel like all guilty I'm trying to say man if the king's in the room he came to see me I mean, he loves you, but he came to see me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean? He loves you. I'm his favorite, right? We're all his favorites. That's just how it works. He can do that. I can't do that. But we're all his favorites. And he's just like, I just want to be with you. I came to see you. And he does that every moment of every day. Will you live for him? Will you live for him, church? Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for your wonderful, wonderful presence. We're always changed when we encounter your love. I believe we have radically encountered your love today. This is more than just singing a couple of songs and, and an emotional response. God, I just pray for a, a complete surrender to fall over this room. A real letting go 
a real letting go of, of, of what we thought we had control of. We know that's an illusion. We have control of nothing. But a real letting go today. Not that we would walk around in ignorance. But that we would walk around in filled with power and clarity and vision. Living the abundant life that you have called us to. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like you, God. You saved our lives. You changed our world. We are forever grateful. I pray that every person in this room, Lord, that you would help them to understand how big your love is. We need your, your help, Holy Spirit, to even understand how wide and long and deep it is. But we receive that today. You did it for me. You did it for me. Holy Spirit, fill us. Send us out. Help us to open up our mouths and boldly proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our friends, to our family, to our neighbors. Whoever we come in contact will know that you are Lord of our lives. We love you, Lord. I thank you for every person in this room. And we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now be the Lord of my life. Run the show. This is yours. I am yours. Have your way. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together, church? Thank you, Lord.